circumstance we exalt you above our heads we exalt you above our hearts we exalt you above our soul our will our emotions you are seated on high unshakable unmovable great is the Lord Almighty and greatly to be praised you are strong in power you are strong in might excellent omnipotent glorious is your name Jesus there is no one beside you there is no one above you there is no one beside you there is no one above you you are the name above all names and you exalt your word above your name we exalt your word this morning God above our children above our families above sickness and disease we say get out
This is how the nations are fed. This is how there's breakthrough in the nations. This is how there's breakthrough in our homes, in our lives, in our intimacy with Jesus. Tomorrow is uh, Memorial Day, and um, you know it's the day you guys, everyone, you know what Memorial Day is, right? It's the day we remember those who died in wars, and uh, we honor them and um, their sacrifice. But you know, I've heard it said, and we need to remind ourselves often that the same level of devotion and honor and sacrifice that those gave in the founding of our nation, we're going to have to give it again if we're going to see our nation saved. If we're going to see this nation blanketed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many people right now, so many, seems like most everybody I know senses an urgency in the hour regarding the times. You don't even have to be very discerning to know that it's urgent and it's time to wake up and, and do the Father's will and get right with God and be about what you're called to do. You don't have to be discerning that our nation needs a great, mighty move of God in order for our nation to go forward. And there are many people that are speaking about this. Last week we said there were two things that are happening this hour. One was what? Lawlessness. Remember Matthew 24. The lack of justice, throwing away of the law and the laws of God. But those who Great peace have those who love your law, your word. And remember the scripture says, and nothing causes them to stumble. So we have that truth. But then not only lawlessness, but what's the other? Lovelessness. The love of many will grow cold. And there are many other things in Matthew 24. And I'm just going to share a few moments this morning. But, um, but there are a lot of other things in that scripture. They will hate you. That's a good one, isn't it? They will hate you. And we see this happening. But there are two things we're challenged to do. Number one, he that endures to the end. We're not, this is not a time for dropouts. You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't go home. You endure to the end, and those shall be saved. But also, this is the most glorious time, because in the midst of all the things in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, all these nations, as a witness and then the end shall come. And so we're very grateful. We get to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Can you believe we live in this hour? You guys should do so. Just pinch yourself in your arm. You're really here. You're really on time. You've been called 
for such a time as this to go to nations, to go to apartment complexes, you know, just go and do the will of the Father. Look over, if you would, Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to get ready to receive the offering, and then we have a dance team that's coming, and, and then Dylan's going to bring us to the end. He'll be preaching the word, and I believe God's given Dylan a word. He, and we're so grateful for Dylan, and then bringing Haley along. What a team, you know. And um, Hell is probably not happy for this team. Well, so be it. You know, we want our pictures in every post office in hell so they can see the most wanted. You know, you really do. We want our pictures in that post office. And uh, so be it, greater is he that's in us. The devil picked a fight in America with the church. And the church is rising up. Anyway, this is good. I want to just share, and then I'm going to try to send this out on Twitter. I'm going to try something. Now, a great many, verse 9, John 12. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Poor, I mean, that's serious. You just die, you rise from the dead, and they want to put you back to death. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. You know, at the core of our foundation of what we believe, first of all, we believe that Jesus came, right? He came. He was sent by the Father. He came to give himself a ransom. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so we believe that. That's part of our foundation. Then we also know that he's coming again, right? He is coming again, and it is a hope. The two angels told the men of Galilee as they watched Jesus ascend into the heavens. He said, this same Jesus, say the same Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner just as you saw. But not just that he came and that he's coming. Man, we're people, we want to know that he's here. He's here. His kingdom is coming, but his kingdom is here. It's inside of us. He's not just the one who was that came or the one that is to come that's coming he's the one that is and that's part of our foundation and that's the gospel of the kingdom but then fourthly we believe with all our heart this is the hour that because of all of this many are going to come to him one last time i don't know how long it's going to last but in nations all over the earth they're going to find what they've been looking for all their lives. They're going to come to Jesus. They're going to come in massive numbers. And so we're getting ready for that. And in Luke chapter 12, just answer the question. I'm going to ask it. Why did they come here in this particular text? And in verse 9, first of all, they came because of a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And listen, we're way beyond people telling us where he is. If you have to tell people where he is... He may not be there. You're not going to have to tell people when he shows up. And it's not about us. It's not about who is delivering the message. It's all about Jesus. Say Jesus. It's about him, the great testimony that he is here. That's what we want to be made known for. People are finding out about Moravian Falls. We want them, when they think of Moravian Falls, say that Jesus lives. He's there. You go there, you'll find him. And they'll say, well, who's the pastor? I don't know. Maybe it was that little kid that walked up. I don't know, maybe. But anyway, 
Jesus is there. And that's what the mayor, that's what happened. That's it, man. He knew that something was different. And God's going to finish that story. He's going to finish it. You know, in verse 3, it says, The whole place was filled with the fragrance of oil. Man, that's what we want. I think it was happening this morning as we were worshiping. And then they came to see if what they'd heard was real. Verse 9b, they came to see Lazarus that had risen from the dead. They heard he'd been risen. And, uh, you know, when people come to see miracles, they see what God has done. You know it's at the bedrock, what's in their heart. They think, if God did that for them, guess what? He can do what I need for me. He can fix what's broken in my life. And, I, you know, you guys know that I know everything in this life is fragile. It's breakable. Relationships are breakable. All these things that we hold on to in this life... But there's nothing unfixable for our God. I remember when I was in college and I loved basketball. I went out. I tried to, I walked on. I tried to walk on. I walked on and then walked off because they asked me to leave. But I had a good time and I thank God. I knelt down that day at the center of the court. One day I'm going to find out, was anybody in that gym, that Coliseum that day? But I thank God I had the chance to try so anyway, met, it's after one of the basketball games, and I'm going to my, where my apartment. You know, when you're in college, you stay in a dorm, and then you've got to have your own place. So I had to have my own place. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. I didn't need my own place. But anyway, I had my own place, and I had this chandelier. If you call it a chandelier. It actually was the ugliest light probably in all of northeast Louisiana, but it had a lot of glass. So I got into my apartment that night after the game, and I'm just, I think I had a Nerf basketball go in there too. So I'm playing around, and I said, I'm saying to myself, you talk to yourself when you live by yourself sometimes. I said, David, did you see that shot? Man, he jumped up, and I jumped up like I'm going to imitate the shot. And I hit the chandelier, well, the, the thing, and it fell and broke to hundreds, no, thousands of pieces. I was vacuuming, well, I never did vacuum, but I was picking up pieces. You don't want to, thank God they burned that place down. Probably after I moved out, but I, anyway, I was, there was pieces of glass to the day I left. But listen, people's lives are shattered, but there's nothing beyond our God. God can fix it all. He can fix our nation, but the only hope is him. Government can't fix it. And then the next thing they came for those to, uh, to see the one that had died, but to see if him, if he could come back to life. Actually, they plotted to put him back to death is what they did. And uh, poor Lazarus. It'd be like surviving a shipwreck, swimming hundreds of miles, you know, whatever. But anyway, you stumble over a toothpick. And, but anyway, Lazarus, this is silly. He, they raise him from the dead. Now they want to put him back to death. And man, just I'm telling you, everywhere there's going to be a move of God, get ready. The devil will try to put the fire out. He's going to always do it. You've got to hang on, stay close to the one that's set ablaze, him. And you won't be put out, but it's happening in churches, individuals. The devil's trying to put out the fires of God in our nation. He's a fireman, but he's a rotten fireman, and he will not succeed. God is going to have his way. And then they came, and many left believing in Jesus. And that's the last thing in that story. They kept, they started, they found him. They found what they were looking for. And I believe in this hour, you know, people are going to find what they're looking for. Everybody's made with a big void inside of them, right? 
all of us. It's only a void that only God can fill. And so I want to just lead us in a prayer because I'm going to send this out. And if you're watching on Twitter, if you're watching by the web stream, listen, this is the day of salvation. This is the day. And those who believe in him, the, the greatest need of our nation right now is the old-fashioned conviction of the Holy Spirit. Where people walk in and there's conviction of their sin. And they must get right with God. And I believe there's some that are watching. There's some that are here. But you've got to get right with God. And you know that you're a sinner. And the Holy Spirit has convicted you and convinced you of that. I want to just lead us in a prayer before our, we receive our offering. And these guys come to lead us in a dance. But, but uh, anybody here this morning, you say, I don't know if I'm saved. Man, I want to be sure. This, I'm, I'm under conviction. My heart's beating out of my chest. How many of you remember when you first came to the Lord? You know, your heart beating out of your chest. Man, we got to remember those days. We got to have them again. We got to have people crawling to the altars under conviction. It's not going to work. Religion's not going to work. We got to have conviction. So, anyways, anybody here say, Man, I'm under conviction this morning. Then I'm going to believe people are watching, and that's why God put it in my heart. So, let's just pray, and I want you to pray. You're watching online. Just, just say, Dear God, just, hey, you guys pray it out loud so we just reconfirm our faith. Dear God, I believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of the living God, that He died on the cross that he rose from the dead and I'm a sinner I confess my sin and this day I choose to turn I turn my life over to you I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus and as I cry out to you you said all that call upon your name will be saved and I believe in Jesus and that he died and rose from the dead and I confess you as my Savior this morning. And my Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. And use me for the rest of my life to bring honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're watching and you prayed that, send us an email at thegatheringchurchoffice at gmail.com. If you're watching by Twitter, thegatheringchurchoffice at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I love you too, Linda. You're such a blessing. I love everybody. And um, it's always an honor. And um, like I was sharing with uh, Brother Alex, me and him were talking last night. And this is... Right here is where I really enjoy life the most, is preaching the gospel and sharing the word. And it's such a privilege and it's such an honor. And I think sometimes whenever we do things for the Lord, we've got to realize it's a privilege and an honor. And it's, it's a blessing in our lives. It's not like God's begging us and he needs us to do that. You know, God uses people. But if we don't want to be obedient, he'll find somebody else. If you want to be a soul, David is there. Amen. So I just want to let everybody know it's such a privilege and it's an honor. And Father God, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you minister to your people, Lord. That you use me, Father God. That you amplify my voice, Lord. You put a coal, a fire on my tongue, Lord. And I thank you that the hearts of the people open, Lord. 
I thank you that there's a, a surrender, Lord, in our hearts and a willingness to hear and receive what you have to say, Father God. I thank you that you put a fresh fire in us today, Lord, that from today onwards we'll be different, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, for your power, a power that is above every other power, a power that cannot be insulted. I thank you for your name, Lord, the name above every name. You are Lord of lords and King of kings. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I thank you, Father God, for your power in our lives, for your love for us, and for the spirit of excellence in this place, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, there was a, a king in Africa and he couldn't make up his mind who was worthy to marry his daughter. He just couldn't really find that person. So, you know, in Africa we have something called Lebola in my country and other tribes, they probably have another name for it, where usually you get your wife through cattle or something and he just didn't think that even cattle could pay for his daughter. So he thought, because I'm the king and my daughter is the most beautiful woman in the land, it's very hard to find somebody that deserves her. So I'm going to call all the people together in the tribe and I'm going to give them a test. And this test will determine wh who can marry the king's daughter. So everybody heard that there's going to be a test and there's going to be a challenge from the king. And um, everybody started to gather together and he took all the men. And now obviously a crowd gathered because they wanted to see now what is this challenge going to be? Who's going to marry the king's daughter? I'm sure every single man was like, oh, I hope it's me, you know. And um, he took them to the river and he said, whoever jumps in here and swims across to the other side, can I have my daughter in marriage? <laughs> and that doesn't seem to be too much of a problem unless you can't swim, correct? But the problem was that the river was infested with crocodiles. In Gwenya, Baba. <laughs> so, um, crocodiles aren't like alligators. If you go and wash your hands, I've fished in Africa where there's crocodiles there. They'll sneak. They used to hunt in big game. For them, you're nothing but game. You're food. You know, like alligators, you can sometimes jump in the water and they're not too aggressive and they're usually used to taking smaller game. So crocodiles don't hesitate to go for you if you jump in the water. So um, when people heard that, you know, it's obvious. People thought that's ridiculous. So the crowd started to thin out and people started going home. And then suddenly there was a splash. <laughs> then everybody, and they, there was a guy swimming, man. And he's swimming for his life. And suddenly the crocodile started to converge, converge on him. And then people started to cheer him on because he was, he was going to make it. And they stood, the crowd started to cheer him. Cheer, come on, come on. And then as he was getting to... The other side, a crocodile grabbed his shoe and he just got out 
away from the crocodile, he just had a few scratches, he got to the other side. People started to celebrate. You're going to marry the king's daughter, you're going to get the king's daughter. He wasn't happy at all. He was upset. And he says, I, I know, I know, but what, what I want you to tell me is, who pushed me in? <laughs> so today, I'm that guy. I'm going to push you in. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that we must provoke one another to good works. Provoking isn't comfortable. You know, usually when we're kids, we provoke one another to do naughty things. And they say, why did you do it, my son? He provoked me, so I had to do it. So sometimes God will make things uncomfortable for you to get your promotion. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, one of the things, you know, I didn't know how to phrase this because it's a lot of prophetic things and just some simple things that I noticed Pastor David does it. And when there's some doctrinally incorrect things that are said in conferences, or so I've noticed that there's um, some things that were said are going to now, but I, w I just want to maybe call this message success in the Lord, you know, how to be successful and to receive a certain level. First of all, we know that we have to have Jesus Christ as our Savior, those obvious things, prayer. So, but there's going to be some other things that sometimes we don't talk about. So one of the things I noticed in America, I've never seen it in Africa. In Africa, people respect leadership. For them, leadership is a powerful thing. It's something you honor. It's not to be pushed aside. So I heard a man of God um, recently, and then I'd heard it before, so I thought, let me just talk about it a bit in church and read some Bible. So one of the interesting things he, he said is, you know, in the, the revival God wants to m move in, there won't be any leadership or control. So I started to share this with some of the elders in my life that... Um, I respect and honor and one of the men of God I spoke to he said people that that's obvious to tell why people do that it's because they don't want to submit they have a, a problem of submission so it's very easy for you to love that doctrine because you don't want to listen to everybody but you think you know it all and you don't need anybody to help you in life you can't make it alone in life that's a big mistake so I'll just read some scriptures and another interesting thing he said with absolute confidence is that there's nowhere in the New Testament where they use the word pastor. I thought, well, have you read the New Testament, dude? There's quite obviously bishops, deacons, pastors, and then I think what we call the fivefold, the prophets. So I'll read that in Ephesians 4 verse 10. I'll read Titus 1 verse 5. Um, the ministry I came out of, what I was taught to do is that if ever you're going to preach, you have to back up what you're speaking through the gospel and through the word of God. So I've noticed a lot of times when we receive false doctrine, it's either because they've misinterpreted the scripture, which we all do, we make those mistakes, or they just don't read the scripture and they think it's there. Amen. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, or maybe they... Mark their Bible so much they fought, unfortunately marked that part out. Um, so Ephesians 4 verse 10, I'll start from 10, 
It's a very powerful scripture. Um, so I'll start at 10. He that ascended in the same also that... Um, he, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. So apostles are usually like, they were the people that fervored the kingdom. They went abroad and they built churches. That's a simple way of putting an apostolic anointing. Um, uh, where was I? Help me. Uh, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Is that in your Bible? So you can't stand up on the pulpit and say there's no such thing as leadership. We can't have leadership. You can go to the most backward tribe in the jungle that's never seen anything from the industrial age or heard the gospel, and they can be debauched and pagans, but even they understand that there's a chief. It's like throughout the Bible, God has called people to lead things. God has called you to lead a certain area in your life. He's called you to be a leader over an office. You understand? So he does everything orderly. So then I heard also one time from one of these people that love this doctrine that, and it was really an attack on our church, that it was just sublimable. Oh no, this is religion. We have to let everybody be able to stand up and share a word on a Sunday service. It's like, I don't know who you are. You could stand up and say, hail Satan or something. You understand? So we can't just let anybody just, you know, just stand up. Well, Pastor David's preaching and say, oh, it's my turn to share now. And half of us don't even know that guy from a bar of soap. <laughs> Does it make sense or am I crazy? Makes, makes absolute sense. So, and then you get this thing where people will do things at the wrong time too because they think it's religion if the man of God is preaching. So then they'll just shout up and stand up and shout in tongues or something and say, the, the Holy Spirit led me to do that. The Holy Spirit is not deceived or confusing us. So there would be order. And there is a, you know, we're led by the Holy Spirit. It's funny that they can be disobedient to the Holy Spirit when He tells them to do other things. But when He tells them to disturb the congregation, they don't know how to be disobedient. <laughs> Amen? Almost. So we've got to have self-control is one of the things that we exhibit as Christians. You know, when the Bible says they are incontinent, it means that they can't control their flesh. You know, you see somebody with bad language all the time. You can see this person. There's something spiritually going on where they don't know how to control themselves. And it can manifest in many ways. Understand? So one of the fruits of this bird is self-control. <laughs> or am I wrong? Okay, amen. Thank you. So I'll read these scriptures just so we're all on the same page. I feel like you guys are already with me, so thank God. Um, Titus 1 verse 5. For this cause... Left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor. So these elders that rule, amen, they make decisions, they say yea and nay, they promote and they demote. It's a common concept in all society to God's own heart. Telling you, you don't even have to be called in amongst them. They never selected David. 
They never even thought of him. And then again, when Saul needed deliverance, David wasn't there to show off his skill. But somebody must have been walking in the field, just a servant, just a cupbearer, who spoke on behalf of David's honor, on behalf of David's skill, on behalf of David's anointing his heart for the Father. And said, I know a man who plays cunningly skillfully that when he plays, evil spirits leaves. Amen? So, God sees you. Don't try and work to impress people because in most of my walk, I usually look on the outside. That's the best way, you know, it's very hard to be, you know, everybody acts like it's so easy to walk in the spirit all the time. If that was the case, we wouldn't sin. But unfortunately, <laughs> there's some problems. So, we need to see that dedication in people's lives. We need to see the manifestation of what we read in the word. The faith by works. Amen? Um, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Now, if you're always chasing after certain things, wicked stuff, you're in deception, you dedicate your life, maybe television is more important than whatever, you know, coming to prayer or, you know, it's so easy for you to find time to miss out on youth group or young adults or, or church, but you'll never miss out on your golf club get together. You'll never miss out on your Friday night bar session to go have a little bit of a, you know, you never miss out on those things, but it's, it's funny how we miss out on the religious things that God puts in our life. Understand? And there's also such a thing as good religion. The word is used in the Bible. So some people say, I'm not religious. Well, I am, because the Bible says there's a thing as good religion. There's real religion. So when people say that, I understand that they're talking about this religious format stuff that brings no power. Amen? So we've got to find time for the Lord in a way that is at a higher level than everything else. He should be above. He wants your whole heart. So if we put those things first, God will move in our lives in a mighty way. Amen? So, um, Luke 12 verse 34, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You understand? What we treasure is the things that we see most important, what's most valuable to us. I can see where people's treasure is because they're there a lot. That's what they talk about. That's what they invested in. You understand? Amen. Brother Gabriel, I, was, I just saw you in worship, brother, and the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's put a strong teaching anointing on your life. He's put something in you that is, you have a capability to explain the gospel. You understand? And I've, I've seen that before, but I've, I just felt that the Holy Spirit said, I must confirm that with you, that he's working on things in your heart and how to deal with people because you have an understanding that it's a very high level for your age. But you also have this ability to explain and to break down things in the Word of God. And it's not just the Bible. It's other things too. You have an ability, you have a teacher, a teaching ability in you. And, and I see that. And I, I thank you, Father God, that you bring that forth in Gabriel, Lord. That he steps into his calling. That he unveils the mysteries that you have in store for those that are surrounded by Gabriel, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father God. Does that resonate with you, brother? It does. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And um, this morning when I woke up, I heard the Lord say, like, there is a door that no man can shut. And I feel like God wants to um, open a door for you. There's, I feel like there's been some wicked gate men standing in the way. Standing in the way of somebody's merchandise. I don't know who you are. Or how, maybe it's a few people. But God wants to open that door for you. There's, the enemy has been standing in the way. And I feel like God is going to open that door for you. But you've got to destroy that wicked gate man. You've got to pray against that thing. You've got to pull down those strongholds. Take those thoughts captive. Receive the mind of Christ. Don't avoid the Goliath that stands before you. The Goliath that stands before us is our promotion. Because the people of God accounted one man as tens of thousands. Just one man going down. When he killed Goliath, they came into the city singing, Saul had killed his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. He just killed Goliath. Some of us need to kill that Goliath. God wants to bring us through that door. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, yeah, some other scriptures that um, agree with what I'm saying about, you know, we try hard to be strong, we try hard to be fast, be intelligent. Ecclesiastes 9.11 Thank you Jesus Thank you Lord Are you guys receiving something? Yes. Amen I like it Tongues is powerful Yes um, I was um, talking with one of my friends the other day And it's like Even Rodney Brown says it He said If you came to try and convince me that miracles aren't real Or healings aren't real you came too late. I've seen it. You understand? I've seen miraculous things. Amen. Um, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. You see that? Nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. There's a time and there's a chance. I've seen lots of people with the skill. The time and the chance came to them. But then they failed to exhibit the heart of the Father. They failed to value that thing. There's been some things in my life where the time and the chance came. I have no excuse except for the fact is that I fell short of the grace of God. You understand? Don't, don't be one of the, you know... The worst enemy in your life is actually yourself. Let me just be honest with you. My worst enemy has been myself. The thing that holds me back. Even if somebody's bringing me down sometimes with these wicked words coming at me. Yes, the enemy. So I was disobedient for a time. But certain things happened I had an encounter in the church. And um, I had a nice job. I quit college because in my country, you know, you really only go to school so you can get a job. So, because somebody was offering me a very good job at a, at a specialist veterinary center to come and help there and do certain things with them in reception, um, I thought to myself, well, I'm quitting college now. So, I went to college to get my tourism degree because I wanted to travel, but I didn't want to travel for God. I just wanted to see the world. <laughs> so, that was why I did tourism. And I was going to uh, matriculate, which is what you guys call graduate. And so, I left there. I, went, I had a very good job. 
started doing some things, dabbling in stuff. I grew up in a household where the power of God was evidence. I never had a problem with believing. I knew Jesus was real. I just wasn't serving him and I didn't want to. <laughs> you know? Um, some things happened to me and then um, I, believe, I just heard some people talking about this Bible school that I went to. And you can't get into that Bible school unless you get interviewed. It's not a rehab. You go there to be a man or a woman of God. You have to be under the age of 25, so it's for young people. Um, they usually need to know the parents, and the parents usually have to be involved somewhat in the ministry because the ministry was operating a high level of, of healing. And I wanted to go there because of, you know, the kingdom of God is not in word alone, but the demonstration of power. And I was seeing power being demonstrated there, so I thought, I just had an encounter. I need to get out of this life. And... Um, by faith, I just told the person, go speak to Tanya and Elise. And then she spoke to Prophet Kobus, he saw my photo, what have you. I didn't go for an interview. I was already a week late to apply. And I was in, also in vacation. So it's almost like, well, if you really want to be here, why are you on vacation? The man of God said, tell Dylan to come. And then they paid for my fees. Never went for an interview. They never really knew what I was up to. But by faith, Understand, I, I knew that this is what God wants me for. Sometimes we've got to act on the impossible. God wants to give you something that's impossible for you to accomplish. That God wants to show you a door that you know that when you look at that door, I, I can't open that door. So, sh short story, I went to Bible school, God started changing my life. The second year I was there just helping in the ministry, doing certain things. Then... I went into the township in South Africa in Kahiso and I started doing ministry there, prison ministry, going to the schools. You know, in Africa, you just have to go to the prison, knock on the door and say you're a pastor. And they're like, please come in. You have to just go to the school and all they need to do is see your love and that you want to preach to the kids and then they'll let, especially in the township. So it's not like, yeah, we well, have to have five degrees and no President Obama and all that stuff. You can actually minister to people in Africa. I was doing that stuff. And... Um, Pastor David was driving through Virginia. Where's Washington, D.C.? Virginia? Close to Virginia. And he, he realized, well, Prophet Vaughan's in the country right now. Let me go speak to him. And then he mentioned wanting to start youth up and what have you. So that's kind of miraculous. But what was really miraculous, I had a powerful prophecy in the township in Africa that I'd supernaturally cross borders. Somebody said that he saw me in the Carolinas. Then when I heard, you know, I wanted to go to David Hogan's ministry. I wanted to do stuff in Mexico. I wanted to go to Burma because I had seen a documentary about the suffering in Burma that has one of the world's worst human rights records currently to date, right now. I don't know if that's changed. But Myanmar, Burma is a terrible place for Christians and people that want freedom. It's a very militant. I wanted to go. I wanted to do radical stuff. So I thought I must be obedient to the word that the Lord gave me. Now, I knew because this person had called out my brothers by name, praying stuff. You know why I believe they did? Because they saw the love of God. And that's just one of the things that we want to do with more excellence is start feeding people. Amen? And God's already opened a door where we might be able to get stocks and stocks of food and start feeding people. I don't care if they've got drug problems or whatever. Everybody's got problems. If you go into that area, it's full of problems. But you know what? One of the best ways to let them receive the love of God is first by giving them their daily needs and showing up and being there for people and letting them see we care.
You understand? It's very easy for me to walk through the streets and pray for you and say, God be with you and may the force be with you, brother. And then I leave. But you got no shoes. You understand? It's like there's plenty of times where I've noticed in Africa, you minister to people, they receive what you're saying over there, but then they ask you, do you have like some, some shoes for me or something? They, they, they need some stuff. Amen? Um, let's do James 2 because we're running out of time. So John 6 is one of the references, Matthew 14, um, that story is in Luke 2. Not Luke chapter 2, but it's Luke somewhere. I'm not that good, but you'll find it if you read the Bible. <laughs> um, okay, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Amen. Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. So I had to operate and go to the, the embassy. I had to operate and quit my job if I wanted to go to Bible school. I had to forget about what was going to pay my bills. And another thing I didn't tell you is that there was a man of God in America. He hadn't even met me yet. And when he heard what had happened, he said, oh, I'll start paying for the car. And he bought me this iPad, which I still have today. Amen. And I didn't even use this thing. I like paper and pen for like two years. And then when I started preaching, I just realized, oh, these notes are really effective. <laughs> so God supplies, but you have to act on it. Amen. So let's stand. I think we've received enough. Um, um, one of the things George Ann said to me, she said, in my day that would have been considered a little bit radical. And I, I know there's a lot, a lot of us here that are radical. But for me there's no other way. You know, people are going to say you're narrow-minded. I'll just say, well, that's fine. The gate is narrow anyway. So, you know. I don't have to accept Buddha and Allah and all those things. Jesus is the mediator and he's the son of God. And that's it. I'm narrow-minded in that area, brother, sister. Amen. So it takes radical faith sometimes. Like I just love hearing these stories when people tell me that I left everything behind and I came to Moravian Falls because God sent me. I can respect that. <laughs> you understand? Because you're giving up the things of this world for the voice of God and its obedience. Things might not always go the way you planned it to be. You understand? Things haven't gone the way I've planned it to be. But when we're obedient to God, it will go the way God wants it to go. Amen. And then we will experience good success. So we've got to have um, that ability to have faith and obedience. God sends people. That's why I spoke about leadership. I thought it was very important to tackle that thing. God wants us to have compassion for people. Don't ever think you can do ministry if you don't love people. If you have a problem with people, you should go and fast and pray for a little while. You understand? And when, before my dad's ministry 